On this episode, I dive into the world of sensors with Dave Baker, co-founder of Pocket Lab. We talk about how these sensors are both cost-effective and contain a multi-purpose function because of the amount of sensors that each Pocket Lab tool contains. These simple-to-use tools are geared towards inspiring curiosity as soon as you hold the device in your hand and provide a sense of open-ended exploration. We also dive into the upcoming conferences that Dave and his team are working on, especially the Science is Cool series that brings together thousands of teachers from around the world and is completely free for you to attend. We walk through how to register for these free sessions, where to find the recordings for the past events, and even a Facebook group that connects thousands of teachers to an amazing professional learning community online. My name is Brian Willette, and this is My Creative Classroom. To all our new and returning listeners out there, thank you for joining us on My Creative Classroom. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Dave Baker from Pocket Lab. Dave, thank you for taking the time to join me on the podcast today. I'm so glad to be here, Brian. Thank you. So Dave, let's tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what your role is with Pocket Lab. Uh, Okay. I am the co-founder of Pocket Lab with Clifton, and we're the two executive officers of the company. We're located in um, San Jose, California, and Cliff and I met at Stanford. So I, I teach at Stanford and he was a student at the time. He's also a lecturer there now too. So that's how we met five years ago and he came up with this idea and that's that's how we got started. That's exciting. So let's dive into what is Pocket Lab. So let's tell our listeners if they've never seen it or used it before, what is it and what does it do? Yeah. So Pocket Lab is a device that you use for hands-on science. Um, we have a few different versions of it, and what they do is uh, help you collect data. They're small, very lightweight, they're wireless, and they're all multifunction. And we kind of build the functions around topics, like we have a physics device, we have an earth science device, we have a weather device, uh, and now we have a, like a K5 device we just we just introduced. So the whole idea is that students who do science labs need to collect data, and you need to make it easy. Uh, inexpensive and fun to use. And that's what Pocket Lab is for. And that's something that really is being pushed. And I think it's such a crucial part of science, which is the hands-on part of it. And real data, you know, you're you're using this tool to, to do science and then you're collecting your own authentic data. So when somebody is using, uh, let's say, the weather sensor, do they have to collect, connect it to a tablet or some sort of device in order for them to see the data? Where does that go? Yeah, it, it connects to any device. So a lot of schools have Chromebooks. Um, and then, uh, you know, an iPad or an iPhone or, or laptop, and it uses Bluetooth, basically, and it'll stream the live data to that device. Um, it can record it locally, but it's a lot more satisfying to kind of see the data, and then you can, you know, you can shake it, or you could, the weather one, you could breathe on it and see the humidity go up. Uh, so you collect it to your device and, and uh, go attach it to whatever you want or put it wherever you want to put it. And you talked about low cost, very inexpensive. So what would, uh, we're kind of talking about the weather sensor. What would be a starting point cost for, for a device? Well, the weather sensor is $100. It has humidity, barometric pressure, temperature, um, light. Uh, I might be missing some actually. Uh, the, so they're multifunction. I think is about six or seven functions. So that's a pretty good price point for, for a sensor for, for teachers to start in their classroom. Well, what we tried to do was... You know, there's been companies that really good companies that provide sensors for the classroom for years and years, but they gen- generally, 
you could buy one sensor, like a humidity sensor. And then by the time you package that and put the Bluetooth chips or wireless or whatever kind of chips, it ends up being you know $100 for one sensor in that range. Um, now, our cell phones have these sensors, and the volume of cell phones have driven the cost of them way down. So what we do is we take advantage of, of the sensors that cell phones have driven down the cost and our multifunction, we put them in one package. So you end up with, you know, five or like our Voyager has almost a dozen functions for $150. And if you had to buy one of each function, you'd probably spend two or $3,000. So it's really, really cheap that way. And the, just the other thing too, is the ease of use. Since it's one device, you, you know, you turn it on the same way, you connect the same way as the same interface. So it's just, a lot easier to use as well, but when you do it that way. So let's talk interface a little bit. And you mentioned that it can be accessible on, on laptops or handhelds or, or whatever device. So is this some sort of app or is it a web-based uh, software that I can connect and, and get my data through? Yeah, good question. So on an iPhone, you know, of course um, it's iOS. So you have to download something from the app store. On anything else though, we use uh, Chrome, even on an Android uh, tablet or phone. But then on your laptop, you can have a Chromebook or a Windows or a Mac and use the Chrome browser. And what's nice about the Chrome app is that you don't have to install anything. It's just it's a um, it's what's called a web app. And that means you just click on a link. It loads into the browser and runs um, that way. So schools, you know, you don't need an IT person. You just need an Internet connection. And that seems to be the way companies are going are, are web apps because you're not having to do updates and then send it back to the app store and, and, and people have to download a new update. And it seems that it's just kind of living in that virtual space. So whenever I access this web app, it's already updated if it has to be. Yeah, you know, most people, um, you know, most people are not technophiles and they, they don't really know the technology underneath. But there's been a lot of innovation in browsers where they can actually run pretty powerful applications locally. And, um, you know, for the user, you don't have to know anything about it. You just click on a, uh, you click on a link and you don't have to install anything anymore. And there's a lot of software delivered that way. And it's really, it's really kind of a, a powerful innovation, especially for schools, because if, if you don't have a good IT person at the school, you're stuck. And, you know, that's expensive to have an IT support. So it just makes it easy, easier for schools. So let's talk a little bit more about the device itself. So you said they were small in size, so I, I'm assuming they fit in the palm of your hand. And I'm, I also assume they're probably be battery operated. How long would, would the life of a, of a sensor be if, I, if it's battery operated? And, and can I set it outside, let's say the weather sensor to collect my data and kind of leave it there? Oh yeah, totally. So um, the, the, we call it Pocket Lab Weather and Pocket Lab Voyager. Those are our smallest ones. They're about, about an inch, uh, an inch square and then maybe a, a three-eighths of an inch deep and about an ounce. So it's very, very small. Um, our our climate sensor, we have Pocket Lab Air, is quite a bit larger. It's like the size of your iPhone. It's even a little thicker. And that's because the gas sensors are, are actually pretty large. If you look at them, they, they look like a um, they look like a matchbook or a matchbox size kind of thing. Uh, so we have to make it bigger and it needs a bigger battery. So that's kind of the range of sizes. Yeah, you can put them anywhere. Um, and now the thing is, like certain sensors, like a humidity sensor, can cannot be submerged, obviously. Um, so you know, we have people who put them in 
um, you know, like kind of, you just need, don't rain on it. It can be out in a moist environment, but don't submerge it or rain on it. And another just little thing most people don't know, uh, but once you know it, it's kind of explains a lot of the world. Uh, wireless signals do not travel underwater. There, there's, there's no, you know, there's no uh, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or anything or radar or anything. It's, it's sonar underwater and there, it's not using um, radio waves as we know. It's using uh, sound, it's, uh, sound pressure waves underwater. So it doesn't really, there's no way to work underwater. It's, like submarines don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> this is a valuable point. So, you know, submerging something into water to try to get a humidity number is, is there's no value in trying to do that. No. <laughs> and, and, you know, we have, uh, so what you can, you could put it in a bag or like, a, you know, an otter box or something like that and collect data uh, submerged. So we have a lot of people do that. Uh, but um, yeah, you, you can't expect the wire, wireless signal. It, it might go like an inch underwater um, I don't know the range, but it, it dies off really quick. And what is, so what is the lifespan of a battery? So I've charged up my weather or climate. How long does it last? Yeah. Like if you have a pocket lab weather, um, oh, it can run. I, I don't have the specs in front of me. It, it, pocket lab weather might be able to run several days. Um, and it, it depends on what sensors you have on and, and the data rates and so on. Um, the, the physics sensor will run, you know, a day or two. Uh, our climate sensor will run a couple days on the battery. And they all have USB uh, micro uh, ports too. So, um, like for example, this weekend, you know, we're in, we're in California, we have these horrible white wildfires. So I put my uh, climate sensor in, outside and we're looking at the air quality uh, for two or three days. So I put it an external battery pack like you would for a phone. You'd also run a, you know, charger out there. Uh, if you wanted to, to get longer life. But I had mine running, I guess, from like Friday till it's still running on just an, ex you know, plugging an external battery into the, the USB. What a great real world example of using one of these sensors to, to test air quality. So what are some other examples that you might have or have heard of, you know, teachers in classrooms using Pocket Lab um, or even other real world examples that you might know of that people are using these sensors uh, in applications? Well, that's the fun thing. We, we get... Uh, teachers are so creative and students are really creative too and we hear some amazing examples but first off you know there's your basic physics experiments like you have an Atwood machine or you you're doing a car collision um, or something like that so it can do all the basic stuff um, that you would expect to do in a experiment or cellular respiration or you know humidity and so anything textbook but then since it's so small and wireless and it's, you know, relatively inexpensive and pretty indestructive, um, we've gone up in many, many high altitude weather balloons. That's an example. Um, a lot of teachers will give it to students to, um, you know, take home on the weekend and do something interesting. Like we had a, a local school in uh, Watsonville, I think it was. They gave it to the, the kids and said, you have to come up with something creative. So they had a... Um, a rule at the school, you know, this was like high school, kids slam their lockers and it's really noisy. So this like no slamming lockers rule in the hallway. So one student said, well, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the accelerometer on the locker and to see how fast I can slam it and stay under this, <laughs> under, you know, not get, uh, <laughs> not, <laughs> not get expelled, <laughs> you know, not get detention. Um, so, you know, kids will come up with creative things. You could throw it, you could put it in a, 
a, like a Nerf ball is really common. You cut it open, put it in there and throw it, um, drop it. It, it just, you can't imagine what people come up with. And it's the creativity of the user sometimes goes beyond what the label on the box even says. Uh, and once you have your hands on it, you can then, you know, allows your imagination to kind of run wild and say, here's what I want to try. And here's what I want to try to create using a pocket lab. Yeah, that's, well, you know, we, so that's, that's insightful. We, um, we started the company and the idea was open-ended exploration. So yes, you could just, you know, you could look at it and say something, I would like to measure that. So I'll, I'll put my pocket lab on it and measure it. And the, we, we quickly learned that that's not conducive to, you know, getting your physics labs done. So we had to write all these, you know, mundane physics labs. Um, you know, so those are, those are first priority. Um, so you could, you know, you do your homework. And, uh, but then when you have extra time or you have curious students or curious anybody, you can then, yeah, you can do anything you can imagine. You see something and say, well, I'd like to know, you know, how fast that's going or how hard it, it hit the ground. Oh, I'll give you a great example. We have a, um, a lab that just every time a student does this, they, um, it wins like the local science fair. So you just get a styrofoam head, like you've seen like like in a store where they'll display wigs or something, they'll put them on a styrofoam head. You you cut a little hole in the top and you put the pocket lab in there. Then you go to your um, sports team and get your football team helmet and put it on and then drop it and then measure the the impact. And we have, every time a student does that, they like win the science fair. You can put a motorcycle helmet, a bicycle helmet and compare which one is better, you know, maybe dropping a, a two pound weight on it and which one ha absorbs the force the most. That's cool. I, what a great usage of, of, of seeing that, you know, in sports teams or you said motorcycle helmets. And I guess to our listeners, if anybody wants a good science fair experiment, you know, get a pocket lab. And, <laughs> a and according point. to Dave, you might win your local science fair. It's <laughs> a shoe in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned too, having these pre-prepared labs and physics labs. Is that something that is shared with teachers? Like if I purchase the, the physics pocket lab, do I have access to all of these lessons and, and labs that are created by pocket lab? Yeah, for us, we give them away for free. Um, they're on our website. And uh, more importantly, we, we have recently created a really cool digital lab notebook. Uh, and we're porting all of our content into there as well. And it's, it's, all, um, it's all free um, there. And the lab notebook, what's, what's cool about it is it's meant to replace your physical notebook. You know, if you're a teacher and you have, you know, the middle school teacher and you have 150 students, uh, you know, over six periods, you have, that's 150 lab notebooks. So this is a digital lab notebook where you can put all the, the, uh, uh, questions, hypothesis, tables and stuff like that. Uh, but then the real cool thing is the pocket lab connects to it. So you have live data in the notebook. So you can have, you know, like a, some physics experiment that you do, collect the data right there, analyze it and save it. And then the content, the lesson is there. And since it's digital, of course, you could share it or you could edit it and modify it, share with other teachers and send it around and stuff. And we really encourage that. And, and what we're doing with that, too, is we have partners who are developing content and putting it in there. Like um, we're the one I can we have a lot of can't that are in progress. I, I can't quite talk about yet, but like one we're going to show at one of our upcoming conferences is Estes. So we have a um, model rocket 
kit where the pocket lab fits in the payload. And we have a teacher who wrote this really cool curriculum for it. And that's, it's available online in the notebook. And, and then you can do the experiment, load the data right in. So let's dive into that a little bit where you talk about conferences, because I know Pocket Lab is, is actively engaged in many different conferences. The conference scene, you know, you're, you, you are not only attending, but you also have your own conference that, that you present to teachers for free. So let's talk, dive into to those a little bit. Yeah, that's, uh, um, that's new for us. And it's, it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's off the hook. <laughs> it got out of, it, it just got out ahead of us so fast. What happened was in April was the um, NSTA National Conference in Boston. And of course it was canceled for COVID. And they canceled it, you know, it, this was early on, right? This is when the pandemic just hit and things were getting canceled. And we kind of expected it, but we, we had our flights and our booth and everything. And um, I think 10 days before they finally announced, and you know, that's what was happening. That was like last minute cancellations. So we were sitting around and saying, well, geez, why don't we just do a webinar um, and get, you know, we called our, all our buddies who we, we see in the booths at the conferences. So you know, the people, the friends we know, like Killer Snails and Teacher Geek, and we had SDs and, and we had about 10 of them. And we said, well, let's just do a, you know, a full day virtual webinar. We called it an unconference and did some kind of slick marketing. And to our surprise, with one week's notice, 3,000 teachers signed up. We were, we were expecting, we were saying, well, if we get three, 400, we'll be happy. 3,000 signed up. It was just, we were uh, amazed. So we just um, have continued them. We've done two since um, with more than 10,000 teachers signing up. And then we also uh, stream them live and it gets a reach of like 40,000. Um, and the second, third events, we attracted uh, StarTalk with Neil deGrasse Tyson as a keynote. And they're now uh, partners with, with us and we do quite a few events with them. So this thing has just gotten, um, you know, getting, getting 10,000 teachers at one time is like, you know, as you know, it's, like, it's a, lot, a lot of teachers and it's all science. And they come from around the world. Uh, the last one, we had more than 100 countries attending. Um, it was just alive and they stay there on zoom uh all day it just was yeah that's amazing yeah and it just goes to show you the the importance of science to teachers and and the the, the willingness for teachers to join the these virtual conferences so let's talk a little bit about science is cool unconference the one that's coming up because there's a fourth installment coming up uh in october i believe so for our listeners out there how do they register for this what what can they expect during um, the unconference and and how do we how do they gain access yeah so we we call it scic science is cool um and it's an unconference and i, I should tell you what an unconference is I, I had no idea it's actually a thing an unconference means that the attendees set the agenda so we do surveys um ahead of time and kind of find out what people are interested in and what companies we should have and uh, then we reach out to those companies. And uh, another, another example I'll give you, if you look at the calendar, you'll see uh, October 24th is a Saturday. Well, why are we doing a Saturday? Because we surveyed the teachers, more than 80% said, please do Saturday. I can't, I can't get out of school um, and I want to attend. So, that, so that's why we call it an unconference. And um, so I would suggest for people, you can just, um, uh, you can go to the Pocket Lab website, you'll see it. 
we have a um, domain, a website for the conference. It's called scic-conference.com. But what I would recommend is we also have a private Facebook group um, that's SCIC Unconferenced by Pocket Lab. I'll, I'll give you the links and you can post it in the show notes. Um, but there's already, I think, eight or 9,000 teachers signed up to that. If you sign up, you know, you'll get an in. We don't block people. It's just it's the way Facebook works, these, these private groups. Uh, there's thousands of teachers. There's a great conversation. And if you're there, we tell people there first <laughs> what's going on on the conference. And we have a great lineup for October if you want to hear about it. Absolutely. Let's hear it. Yeah. So we have... We have, of course, we have Neil deGrasse Tyson again. Uh, and so I say Neil deGrasse Tyson. I want to clarify this is Star Talk, which is his platform, uh, Cosmic Queries, and it's Neil deGrasse Tyson and Chuck Nice. They're co-hosts, um, and they what they do for the the keynote is they answer questions. And we we get we we um, ask questions in advance. We usually get like two thousand questions. <laughs> so if you get your question answered, you're very special. But they'll they'll answer questions from the audience. Um, so we have Neil deGrasse Tyson and Star Talk and Chuck Nice. We have Lego um, is going to be there. We have the Smithsonian. Um, each time we, the last time two times we've had museums. Last time we had the American Museum of Natural History. A uh, time before they had the Exploratorium. Um, by the way, we're going to uh, one of these times we'll get um, Telus World of Science from Edmonton because they're good friends of ours. Um, we have. The Biomimicry Institute, which is out of Sacramento, it's fascinating. Um, we have SciShow. Have you ever heard of SciShow? It's like a, a YouTube channel with like 10 million subscribers. Uh, we have, who am I missing? Estes will be there. We're going to be talking about writing grants. Um, and we have, um, I'm probably missing one or two, but that's our lineup for right now. It's going to be really exciting. And you know, one of the questions I typically ask is about professional learning communities, but what you have put together here is, is beyond that. It's, it's a global community of educators who are looking for, you know, information on science and tools and things that they can take part in. Um, and you mentioned on Saturdays, which is an unreal opportunity for teachers to take part in this one day um, unconference, which is science is cool. Uh, so that's actually exciting. And are there any other conferences that you're taking part of leading up to that? Yeah, we are. And then, and these, they're, they're even bigger, surprisingly. We, we are going to be part of New York City Climate Week. So New York City, um, Climate Week is an event that happens yearly. It's like a mini Davos. It's actually a giant event. Uh, it's the week of September 21st. And uh, of course, this year it's virtual. Um, and, uh, you know, it has sponsors like Walmart, Unilever. Um, the keynote is the Prince of Wales, and this is like really, it's a big, I never knew about it uh, until this year. It's a giant event. And uh, we are doing a primetime live event that you should all attend. It's with Neil deGrasse Tyson and Star Talk Live, they call it. So Neil and Chuck, we have a bunch of climate scientists. It's 7.30 p.m. Eastern on September 23rd. And uh, we're going to be talking about you know, climate, like how we got here and what we can do about it. And we're also going to talk about um, a citizen science project that we piloted in Edmonton um, with TELUS World of Science and King's University. And we have the professor who assisted us will be there. Uh, so that's Wednesday. And then on Saturday, 
uh, we have an event with Chuck Nice, uh, a two-hour event. It's at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. And um, we have, uh, from The Daily Show, Roy Wood Jr., we have the mayor of New Jersey, mayor of Colorado, and uh, a whole bunch of you know, really high-level people. And we're going to talk about... So Chuck, is a, he's a comedian. <laughs> I don't know if, if you've heard. He's, that's his real job. He works as a comedian, you know, in nightclubs. And he's pretty prominent. And he's also a climate... Um, he doesn't say activist. He says actionist. And he wants to talk about dialogue around climate and why we just can't talk about it. We can't get along. And why should this be political? It shouldn't be political. And by the way, on that show, we have Catherine Hayhoe. And if, if you don't know her, she's she's Canadian, by the way. Uh, she is an amazing climate scientist. And she's a real lightning rod on these issues. She's fabulous. And she likes to really hit the issue. Why can't we... Why does this have to be a political thing? Why can't we have a... a you know a peaceful discussion on climate so those those are two events coming up and they're going to be great events we're going to do an event um october 8th with a partner uh the details are coming on that so we have a, a ton of events coming up that's all and you guys are active in this kind of venue of, of sharing information and, and being part of those conversations and you know we can include all those links or information in, in the show notes as you mentioned so that you know our listeners can can access that and, and take part and hear the story and hear what's going on and 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 climate week sounds like a great opportunity um to take part in in those conversations um so just to swing back over to to pocket lab you know you you seem to align quite well with obviously with everything that you're doing the conferences the unconference everything that you're promoting um if if a teacher were to start you know let's say we've we've just started a school year here where would they start or what would they start with in pocket lab if you had a starting point which sensor to begin your journey down this road what do you think would be a great starting point well our um our first focus and kind of our sweet spot is middle school physical science and i think the the uh the sensor we're probably most proud of is the pocket lab voyager um it has uh, so uh, i know in canada you don't have ngss but here in the u.s we have ngss sciences you can do 15 of the 19 um um, key areas with the pocket lab Voyager it has an accelerometer, gyroscope, a magnetometer, temperature, pressure, humidity. It has a, a um, um, it has a rangefinder, uh, has a temperature probe that you plug in, has a light sensor. It just has so much stuff. So you could you should be able to do your whole um, physical science for middle school with this one device. Uh, so that's a great place to start. And then for for K-5, we have Pocket Lab Weather, uh, which, you know, weather is, is uh, a great topic for um, K-5. We also, we just introduced a, a new really cool device for younger kids called Thermo. It's a wireless temperature probe, and it has two probes. So, like, if you're doing an ice bath and uh, um, a boiling water, you can uh, put one probe in each, and you can graph them simultaneously and watch it. So that would be if you're K-5. And if you're Earth Science, um, we have the the climate sensor, the Pacalab Air. And the thing right now, Brian, that we worry about the most is, you know, teachers are struggling. Like, I don't know about you guys, but we're pretty much remote and at best hybrid. There's nobody in a classroom. So we're, you know, working with teachers to understand how are you going to do science labs? How are you going to do hands-on stuff? 
Um, and we have, you know, kind of the teachers are getting past the Zoom and WebEx and Microsoft Teams issues. They're starting to, you know, send sensors home and kits and stuff like that. And these are, you know, cheap enough where you could do that. So that's, so you're asking kind of a hard question, like, what do you do now? This, I think teachers are asking, what do you do now? And this is what we've been talking about in a lot of these conferences. Yeah, and I think it is a difficult question to answer, obviously, in, in the remote learning world or, or blended learning world um, and being creative with it. But I and you just talking about a couple of examples, you know, leads me to think of, you know, I could use the thermal sensor and, and use that as a demo um, and students can analyze the graphing data and, and see if they can understand where that's coming from. So the opportunity here of, of, of hands on, obviously, as much as we can get it into the hands of the students so that they can be hands on. But at the same time, we don't want to limit ourselves as educators to say, well, they're not in front of me, so I can't do it. But we can still do it. We can still provide real life data, you know, even real time data for them to be able to analyze and see what that looks like so that when we do return to in person, they understand what it could potentially look like. So we exactly. And we found actually we're doing another event October 8th. Um, and I'll send you the links. You can put them on, you know, for your your listeners, these links. So this was with a company called Creative Learning Systems. They're out of Colorado. And you know what they do? They um, Their business is that they outfit STEM uh, labs for schools, like full with computers, curriculum, devices. And, you know, we have Pocket Lab. We work with them with Pocket Labs. And they have Kinects and, you know, all, all the things you would expect to see in, in a STEM lab. Um, Vex Robotics and stuff like that. They're, they're a great company. They do a like end-to-end -end solution for schools, and I think they're in 600 or 800 schools, some large number. They come up came up with a science backpack, and in the backpack is enough kit to do 18 labs, and they have a protocol for checking it out, checking it back in, sanitizing. Uh, they have curriculum to go with it. They have this buddy system where two students check it out and the students work together remotely, obviously, and they do these labs. So we're going to have them on October 8th and it's going to be a one hour. It's going to be an unboxing. We're going to unbox the lab and we're going to look at it and have them talk about how they figured this out. What, what I like is they actually spent a ton of time figuring out, okay, well, I have to send something safe and inexpensive and multi purpose home with students and it's actually in a backpack it's really cool so yeah there's there's people who are like really kind of out there figuring this out and i think you know a lot of teachers are, are still struggling with the basic tech but you know we need to start talking about okay we're all going to get over the basic tech eventually so now how do we get back to where you could do real science um remotely yeah, absolutely. And I think that sounds like a great, you know, opportunity there, those backpacks and, and you know, being creative and trying to find ways where we can share the the science at home and, and, and carry it with you, I think is fantastic. Um, and Dave, so we're at a point in the show now that I like to call the specialist top five. Um, so my question to you is what are the top five ways that you think Pocket Lab can help teachers transform learning, whether it be in the classroom or at home? Yeah, so um, I will give you Neil deGrasse Tyson's answer to that, which we, we asked, and I absolutely love his answer. Um, uh, in, in one of our SCIC conferences, I think it was SCIC3. By the way, you can all get these um, conferences. They're online. You know, they're free to download. Um, and if you sign up, you'll, you get links to the future ones. So we had a teacher ask a very similar question. He said, you know, the most important thing is curiosity. 
uh, kids are born curious and you know eventually it, it wanes uh, how do you keep that curiosity alive and i think that's you know we we think of pocket lab it's like this curiosity device you, you um the way we designed it is when you as soon as you turn it on and connect it you get data right away so you like for the physical science one what we see people dive we've done this a like a thousand times so we see it every time you hand it to a kid and they shake it and they see the graph going it's like oh my god that's so cool i'm gonna put this on my car i'm gonna put this on my bicycle i'm gonna put it on you know my dog <laughs> watch him walk around it's just you have to inspire curiosity and we tr we we try to design it to be so easy um that you know you it just the, this curiosity just sparks as soon as you get it so that's to me number one um, in it. I think the other thing you have to do is you have to make it really easy. So, you know, as you know, most most K-5 middle school, high school teachers, as you get into higher ed, you know, teachers have advanced degrees. And if you're teaching, you know, uh, undergrad mechanical engineering, you probably have your PhD in mechanical engineering like Cliff does, right? But if you're teaching physical science in middle school, you probably don't have a technical degree. I think, I think about a third of student or teachers do so they're not they're not engineers you have to give them something simple so the second thing is you got to make it really simple push a button connect data's there you know no crazy graphs to interpret or no you know sophisticated setup i think that's the second thing and i would say the third thing on uh, uh, my three out of five would be you got to make it cheap for schools schools don't have budgets you know um, we talk to teachers, and it's it's heartbreaking. Sometimes a teacher says, "Oh, hundred dollars. I I don't know how I'm going to get that." <laughs> it's like, "Wow, hundred bucks," you know. Um, so, and and that's a reality for a lot of schools. And and eventually they get budgets. They come year, you know, it might be dry for a couple of years, and they have some money and so on. But most of the time, most teachers, you know, they'll ask us, "How oh, are you on donors choose or something like that?" Because they they want to get basic supplies and they just don't have money so those those are i think the top things um that you have to do to enable teachers to teach science and i think you've hit them all on all, all the good points there where we know educators are try to find as much money as they can to to fill their classroom with these tools to really build that experience for their students um, and you mentioned earlier on in our conversation that you're you know the pocket lab depending no matter which one you pick it's packed full with sensors um, and you, there's a, such a variety of, of uses to each sensor that you're getting your money's worth, whatever, whichever one you're choosing to do, whether it be Voyager, you know, the climate or weather, you're, you're getting so much in one tool um, that it's kind of a best bang for your buck kind of, kind of model. Um, and Dave, I, I'm going to say I appreciate you taking the time to talk about not only Pocket Lab, but also uh, the science is cool. Um, unconference that, that you guys promote and, and you and do you have so many teachers that take part I think it's fantastic to hear about the lineup that's coming up uh, for October 24th before we head out is there anything else that you'd like to say to our listeners that we may have missed um, in our conversation no I, th I think you got I would say um, Brian we're, I'm gonna give you some really exciting links uh, if you're a teacher check out the conferences even if you go you know if you're not available on the dates we always make it available to download um, if you sign up, you'll get the download usually a couple days. It takes us a while to process. Um, and then, you know, a couple weeks later, we'll put on YouTube or whatever. Uh, but 
go to some of these events and they, um, you know, we, these are all free events, by the way, we don't make any money on these events. And, you know, you might ask why we're doing it. Obviously it's great exposure for us and we love that. But I, I'll tell you why I'm doing it. Teachers are so passionate. And if you engage them and you give them ideas and, and help them along and create a community, they, they just really respond and really enjoy that. And they give back. Uh, all the teachers we work with have given so much back to the community, you know, in write-ups and ideas and helping each other. So I would say the most important thing is check the links in the show notes, attend some of the conference, either live or um, after, you know, after they're posted. And you will find thousands and thousands of other teachers are just like you, you know, trying to do the best thing that they can and hungry for new information and new ideas and really passionate. I, I'm, I'm so, you know, it's, it's, it's heartwarming to see how much teachers care, right? And you know that, right? Obviously, but it's just to see it in action. The teachers, they work so hard uh, to do what they do and that they just really care about what they're doing. And a great point, you know, our teachers care, educators want to know more. They want to find different strategies to provide amazing transformational opportunities for the young learners that are either in front of them or learning from home. Um, and you guys are providing that. So again, I thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. And I encourage all of our listeners, not only to check out Pocket Lab, the, the website, but also go check out that Facebook group. What a great professional learning community to be part of. You'll kind of get the insights, the the early bird release of conferences that are coming up. And you know you get to see some of the great conversations and sharing that's happening from teachers all around the world. So Dave, thank you so much once again for being on my Creative Classroom podcast. And I encourage all of our listeners to follow you on social media and go check out the website for more information. That's all the time we have for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dave from Pocket Lab. I encourage you to attend any of those upcoming conferences, be it Climate Week or the Science is Cool Unconference, as well as join the Facebook group to see what other conferences and events are coming up, as well as to join the conversation with science teachers from around the world. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on whatever streaming platform you're listening to us on right now for the latest updates on new episodes. As always, let's make learning creative. My name is Brian Ouellette, and this was My Creative Classroom.